You're listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. All right, good to see you guys this morning. How's everybody doing? Good. So we're continuing continuing in our Testify series. We started last week, and we heard the testimony uh, from Beth Gerald's uh, last last week, um, and just a powerful story of how God has brought her through uh, just a car accident, losing, uh, losing her arm uh, through her husband's death, and uh, just testifying to God's goodness and grace. And uh, we're going to get a chance to hear another story this morning. I'm going to share that here in just a little bit. Um, but this morning, I want to share with you another story uh, of a little girl by the name of Talia. Crawford. She is uh, se- or she was seven years old, and last year she was in a track meet uh, for the 200-meter sprint in Omaha, Nebraska. Now, Talia, she started this track meet in a horrible, horrible way. Anybody, do you run, run track? Anybody just run? Yeah, no runners in here. Okay, good. We're all just people who sit around eating bonbons and watching TV. Okay. This is the lazy service. Thank you. Welcome. <laughs> now, Talia, uh, she started off this 200-meter sprint uh, in a worse way than what she anticipated. And, uh, but I love that she didn't quit. I want you to watch this. Dang, I want to knock it. She ran out her shoes. Go, Talia. Go, Lele. Go, Lele. Go, Lele. How good is that, right? I mean, you know, if you're a parent, any parents there, you just, you, you kind of felt that when mama's screaming out, go Lele. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, go Lele, you know. And I said, like, I feel that, man. And I, you want that for her. And you saw, you know, it was just kind of heartbreaking. She ran out of her shoe. What is she going to do? You know, do, do you keep running? Do you turn around and go back? And she turned around, went back and got her shoe. It set her back like five or six seconds uh, behind the pace and behind everyone else. And so, you know, for her to make that up and to just come back around and pick up after after just starting in a horrible way um, is amazing. And I, I, I show you that video this morning because Talia lost something at the beginning of the race, but she was able to recover. And uh, I want to speak to you about losses today. See, everyone loses. Everyone loses at some point. Not everyone recovers. Everyone loses, but not everyone recovers. And so for us today, I want us to look at what Scripture has to say about dealing with loss. At some point, we all lose something or someone. So how do we manage loss? See, I think... um, our culture a lot of times tries to equip us to be winners and deal with winning, but it doesn't do a real good job of equipping us to deal with losing. 
because at some point we all lose. And how well you manage loss may dictate whether you're going to be an overcomer and victorious or whether you won't recover at all. And so this morning I want to share with you a few things uh, about recovering from loss. Dr. John Maxwell, i uh, been reading a book of his, and he's a leadership guru, and he wrote a book a few years ago called Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. And I, I recommend this book. It's, it's, it's a great book. But I want to share with you three things that um, I've learned from this book real quick uh, about loss and a few things about dealing with loss. This is what he says about loss. He says the first thing that we have to understand about loss is this. Loss causes us to get stuck emotionally. Sometimes loss causes us to be emotionally stuck, that um, we, can't, we can't move on. Uh, sometimes we get locked into losing streaks, and we can't move on emotionally when we get locked into some of these losing streaks. Les Brown, he's an author, and this is what he said. He said, the good times we put in our pocket, the bad times we put in our heart. I mean, you've had some good times. So many good times maybe you can't remember right? Usually it's the bad times you remember, right? You remember those bad times. And that's what he was saying. He says the good times we put in our pocket. He said the bad, time, bad times we put in our heart. And we carry that around a lot of times. And so loss causes us to be emotionally stuck. We get on these losing streaks and we just stay locked in in anxiety. We stay locked in in fear. And we can't move. Uh, we feel like we can't move, uh, or either we won't move. We won't move out of fear of losing again. We won't move out of fear of maybe I'm going to suffer another loss. Maybe I'm going to suffer another embarrassment. Maybe I'm going to, to, to fail again. Uh, we, we either can't move or we won't move. And so we're stuck emotionally because of anxiety and fear. And so loss causes us to be stuck emotionally. Loss also causes us to be mentally defeated. Um, there's a coach by the name of Harry Neal. Uh, he was a hockey coach for the Vancouver Canucks, and this is what he said once. He said, last year we couldn't win on the road. This year we can't win at home. I don't know where else to play. <laughs> Anybody, you ever felt like that? You know, I read that. I was like, absolutely, yes. Uh, I just don't know where else to go. I don't know what playing field to step on because I'm just losing everywhere. Uh, loss can, losing streaks can plague us, uh, and loss causes us not only to be stuck emotionally, but it causes us to be mentally defeated. If winning goes to our heads, losing also goes to our heads. Losing can also get stuck in our head. Um, anybody who play baseball, baseball players? You're familiar with baseball. You know what baseball is. National pastime. Nine men on a field pitching. Okay, all right. So baseball. What happens in baseball? Baseball is a mental sport. Uh, Yogi Berra said it. He said uh, baseball is 90% mental and the other half is physical. <laughs> Yogiism. I say somebody got it. Some of you are like, that doesn't add up. That's Yogi-isms. Go look it up. I promise you. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, he said it's baseball is a mental sport. And so if you're familiar with baseball, you might be familiar with the term the yips. Anybody ever heard of the yips? The yips are when maybe in practice you're able to throw the ball. I played second base, and so I was able to throw the ball to the first baseman in practice. No problem, you know, throwing it around the, throwing it around the field. No, no problem at all. But when game time came, and the pressure was on, 
and everything was there, and you're in your head, and you're sitting there thinking, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And, and you're just waiting for them to hit the ball to you, and then they hit the ball to you, and you're like, here it is. Here it comes. Here, and it's just like it gets so big in your head, and you're thinking, don't mess this up. Don't overthrow the first baseman. And you know what you do? You overthrow the first baseman. Because it becomes a mental thing. It's not a physical thing because you did it in practice. You physically are able. You have the skill to do it, but it gets stuck in your head. You're defeated mentally. And there have been so many times on a, on a ball field that I was defeated mentally. And I had to figure out how do I overcome that. And, and so for us, that's what loss does. Losing streaks cause us to be stuck emotionally. They cause us to be defeated mentally. They also do this. He goes on. The third thing that he said was this. He said, losses create a gap between awareness and action. Losses create a gap between awareness and action. And this is, I know I should start, but I don't. It's, you're aware. See, a lot of times it's, it's not that we don't know what to do. We know what we need to do. We don't do it because we're stuck. It, feel, it feels like I just I can't move or I won't move or it's in our head. And so the losses, these losing streaks create gaps between what we know and what we should do. And a lot of times we know what we should do. We just don't do it. And, and this is what loss does. Loss, it puts us in a cycle. Losing streaks create a cycle. We lose. We get insecure. We doubt. We hesitate. We lose we get insecure, we doubt, we hesitate. We lose, we get insecure, we doubt, and we hesitate. And we know that we should go, but we don't. So what does the Bible have to say about this? Because that's what I really want to talk about. I really want to talk about what does Scripture say to this? What does God want you to know about suffering loss? Because Jesus told us, he said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. In this world, you're going to suffer loss. You're not, it's going to come at some point. If, if you haven't lost something yet, just wait, it's on the way. Most of us, we've lived long enough where we've suffered some kind of loss. And so this morning, what do we do with that? What does Scripture say to do about that? Um, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. I want us to read this real quick. This has kind of been our anchor scripture uh, for this series. And this is what it says in Revelation uh, 12, verse 11. Can you put that up for me, Blake? And it says, and they have conquered him, or they overcame him. Who? Satan, the adversary, the enemy. They overcame him by the what? The blood of the lamb, by what Jesus did, and by the word of their testimony, by what Jesus is doing. They've conquered him. We are overcomers by what Jesus did and what Jesus is doing. By the story that we tell of what Jesus did for us and by the story that we tell of what Jesus is still doing in us. This is how we are made overcomers and conquerors and victorious. And so there's a guy that I want to talk about this morning. His name is Joseph. And, and some of you guys may have heard his story. Joseph was Jacob's uh, son, not Joseph Jacob's son. It's not like his last name. It was Joseph Jacob's son, which I guess you could call him Joseph Jacob's son if you want to. Uh, Jake, uh, Joseph suffered all kinds of losses. His dad loved him. You know, he was the favorite. Uh, any, any of you, you're the favorite in your family? 
Yeah, and, and wave your hand even higher if your brothers and sisters are here, right? Because we all think that. We all think, well, I'm the favorite of the family, you know. <laughs> and my mom and dad might say, yeah, yeah, you're the favorite. And when others are around, not around, you know, they'll tell them they're the favorite, right? You're all my favorites. It's like, ah, oh, you can't do that, mom and dad. Um, but, you know, he was the favorite of the family in a sense. And his dad gave him this coat of many colors. You may remember the story that his dad, just, just his love that he was showing him. But his brothers didn't like it too well. His brothers were jealous, and um, really probably this was more of a problem that his dad exacerbated more than the brothers, uh, the problem that he had with his brothers. It was more probably what the brothers had against the dad, but they never addressed it. But that's a whole other issue that we'll talk about later in another series. So Joseph is taken by his brothers, and he's thrown into a pit, and he's sold into slavery. And so basically, the first thing that Joseph loses is he not only loses his coat, which is not a, really a, a big deal, uh, as he loses his family. He loses his family because they take him, his brothers take him, and they throw him in a pit, and then they sell him to some Egyptians that are passing through. And they take him down to Egypt, and they make him a slave in Egypt. And Joseph, he stays uh, in Egypt, and he becomes basically this, this caretaker of this guy's house. This guy Potiphar has a house, and so he becomes the caretaker of the house. And Joseph is uh, accused, while being the caretaker of Potiphar's house, of doing something that he didn't do. And so he's basically framed. And he goes from being in a pit to being in a prison, so not only has Joseph lost his family, Joseph loses his freedom. And while he's in prison, he makes friends with a couple guys, a couple guys that work for Pharaoh. And these guys have been in Pharaoh's court, and he makes friends with them, and he says, listen, if you ever get a chance to get out of here, he says, remember me. He said, just remember me. My name is Joseph. You know, I want you to, don't forget me. And so they say, okay, yeah, we'll remember you. Well, just as soon as they get out, you know what they do? To forget all about Joseph. So Joseph, what does he lose? He loses his family. He loses his freedom. He loses any friendships that he had in Egypt. And so Joseph is just on this losing streak of lose, 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 lose. And Joseph, he's about 17 when he's thrown into this pit. He stays in uh, Egypt. He goes from the pit to the prison, and that takes about 15 years of his life, roughly 15 years that he loses. And so he loses all this time. So Joseph is just on this losing streak. Lose, 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 lose. But in the middle of this losing streak, we have to look at a few things. And I want us to turn to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39, we see something very interesting. And, and Joseph, this is the, the story of Joseph in Potiphar's house. This is between the time he, he, he's in the pit and the prison. So it's in between that time he's out of the pit. He's not, headed, he's not going to prison yet, but he's on the way here pretty quick. He's in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife tries to get him to sleep with her. And Joseph's like, I can't do that. It's like, I can't do that to my master. I can't do that to Potiphar, and, and I definitely can't do that to God. Why would I do that? So basically she said, listen, uh, she, she screams and said, Joseph tries to rape me, and he's framed. And... Um, before this happens, this is what the Word of God says in verse 39, verse 2, in chapter 39, verse 2. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, 
and he was in the house of his Egyptian master Potiphar. And so even though that he had lost his family, God was still with him and, and trying, even in, the, even in the midst of being a slave, God said, I'm going to give you some success there. But he loses again, and he loses all that, and he loses his freedom, and they throw him in prison. And he's thrown in prison, and this is where we pick up in verse 20. Verse 20 of chapter 39, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison and the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord. But the Lord was what? Was with Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. See, Joseph has a lot of things that he's losing in his life. But what we find is this, is that God was with him. And Joseph had to make a choice. Joseph had to make a choice on what he was going to do in this losing streak. So Joseph decided this. Joseph decided he wasn't just going to live through his losses. He was going to learn through his losses. And that's what we've got to do as well. We can't just live through our losses. We have to learn through our losses. We have to learn, God, what, is, what do you want me to see here? What do you want me to pick up here? What do you want me to notice here? What is, and I think this came up uh, during our men's breakfast this morning, that the things that we go through, we need to, we need to be taking notes and just saying, God, I, I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss the lesson. And this is exactly what Joseph was saying. He says, I just don't want to learn, uh, live through this. I also want to learn through this. So what are two things that we can see that he learned? Joseph learned this. Joseph learned that obedience is better than convenience. He learned that obedience is better than convenience. It would have been really convenient for him to just have uh, slept with Potiphar's wife. You know what? Maybe it would have been a secret, and, and he might could have even risen in rank. Maybe, maybe things he wouldn't have to go to prison or anything like that. But Joseph said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to Potiphar, and I'm not, definitely not going to do that to God. And so it was inconvenient for him to say no. But he said no. And not only did he say no, he ran away from it. He said, I'm going to get away from this thing. And so he says, my obedience is much more important to me than the convenient relationship that was pre presented to me. See, there are things that, that sometimes desires and temptations that are put in front of us. And we have to put those things away and choose obedience over convenience. Joseph learned that obedience is better than convenience. Joseph also learned this. Joseph learned that setbacks are only opportunity for God to work a comeback. Joseph learned that setbacks are only an opportunity for God to work a comeback. See, what he had to be able to do was look at everything that had happened in his life in a certain perspective. And that question is to you today. Can you look at every loss that you've had in a different perspective? Can you look at every loss you've had in the light of heaven? Can you look at every loss you've had and look at it through this? Look at it through the light of God's goodness, through his mercy, and through his presence. Can you look at it like that? And does it change it from being losing to being something that God could create into something even more beautiful? Can we do that? See, that's important for us because Joseph did that. How do we know that Joseph did that? I want us to turn over to uh, Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. And this is where we find that Joseph's father, Jacob, has died. 
And basically, his brothers have come back. He's revealed himself to his brothers. They were astounded that Joseph was still alive, and not only alive, but he was he he rose from being in the pit to the palace. He went. They talk about uh, talk about upward mobility. He went from a pit to the palace. He was second in command in all of Egypt, and he's there. And now his brothers are here. These guys who threw him in the pit in the first place. You know anybody ever wanted to get revenge? Now Joseph has the power to get revenge if he wants it. But actually, he chooses a different kind of power. Instead of revenge, he chooses redemption. And I love this story. I love what it says that after his father died, his brothers got nervous. They got scared. They're like, maybe Joseph was just being nice to us while dad was here. And now dad's gone, and he's going he's gonna to let us have it. He's going to take revenge on us. This is what Joseph said, verse 20. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good, to bring, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. How did Joseph see his losses? He saw his losses just as part, just a part of God's purpose, not only to save Joseph, but to save his family and to save his entire nation. That this ripple effect of redemption not only hit Joseph, but it touched his brothers and it touched everyone else in his family and all those that were going to be part of that nation of Israel. And we have to understand that that's what God wants. He wants the story to be bigger than us. He wants it just to be, our, be more than just the story that we're telling. He knows that our story is going to ripple out into our families. It's going to ripple out and touch people maybe farther than what we can understand and see. And that's what Joseph sees here. He looks back at all these losses and said, you might have meant it for one thing, but God meant it for something else. See, your enemy's plan is no match for God's purposes. Your enemy's plan is no match for God's purposes. And so today, what does that look like for you? I want to share the story this morning of Marla Fesky and her testimony. My name is Marla Fesky. I live in Richmond Hill. I've lived here for the last six and a half years. Um, I've been coming to New Life for almost that long. I have three sons and three grandchildren, um, two of which I live here in Richmond Hill and with Kenzie and Derek. <laughs> What's some of the biggest challenges and just you know, things that you faced in the last few years? I've faced um, <clears throat> quite a few challenges. The first I would like to talk about in 2013 was I lost my husband um, through PKD, polycystic kidney disease. And um, that was a very horrific time for me because I felt that God was gonna heal him. We were both ministers in our ch little church back home and we were doing great things. And I just knew in my heart that God was going to heal him and we were gonna continue uh, our work together. Uh, we were married 38 years and he was my soulmate and God had other plans. And when he took him, it, it really, um, it really, 
it really angered me and um, it was hard for me to move on. I did lose my home three years after Albert passed and I was getting on my feet emotionally. Um, a 500 year flood came and hit our little community. Um, over 200,000 families uh, and homes were destroyed. I had five feet of water in my house and it was um, five days before the water receded. After Brent came and got me from the flood, um, my middle son lives here. Um, about three years in, we had a horrific accident happen in our home. My beautiful daughter-in-law had a tragic water slide accident. She was vivacious, busy, energetic woman and uh, had a freak at water slide accident that has paralyzed her. She's a, quad, a quadriplegic and um, it has at that time devastated our family. It turned our life upside down and um, we had to look at life all over again. And uh, I thank God every day she's alive, that she's up. Yes, we have a lot of things that we have to do to tend to her, but um, she's teaching school the last two years at home visually. Uh, she's in great spirits. Her mind is, she's funny, she's positive. And um, I couldn't ask God for more. And if this is what our life is now, I accept it and we roll with it and we are blessed. We are so, so blessed. When I felt the Lord being with me after Albert died and I began to feel the changes within me, the empowering within me, I knew there was hope. I felt it within me. I felt the Holy Spirit in me saying, I've got you, Marla. I needed Albert. I called him home, but I have you. I I'm not going to leave you. I have you. You're my child, and I have you. I am an overcomer. What would you tell someone who's facing major struggles? To have faith, to pray unconditionally, to believe that God is there for you, to never stop praying, to never stop hoping, to know he's there at your side, by your side, always, to know that your prayers are gonna be answered, maybe not in your way, but in his way, and that's the best way, his will. What an amazing story. Amen. The testimonies are right back over here in this back corner over here. So if y'all want to see the evidence of that, you can, you, can, you can see them in just a little bit. But I appreciate Marla sharing her story. And see, there was one thing that she said. And I want you guys to stand with me. We're going we're gonna to close out. The one thing that, that she said was this. She said that after she lost her husband... 
she said God spoke to her and said Marla I've got you man that hit me when I, when I heard that Marla I've got you and and when I was studying for this message and I was looking at this passage of Scripture and all those places where it says that God was with Joseph, I went back and looked, and there's a little Hebrew word there that, that's in there, and it's the word natah, the Hebrew word natah. And what it, the picture it has is of someone like Moses that stretches out their hands like this with, with their staff and their rod. And when Moses did that power, God used that moment and God used that act to do miraculous things, whether it was in Pharaoh's palace or it was at the Red Sea. And, and it means to stretch out. And so when I read that, I, it, just, it just reminded me of what Marla said, that when God's saying, Marla, I've got you, that God is stretching himself out over you. And it doesn't matter what's going to happen, I've got you. I've got you, Marla. And so today, the word to you is... It's the same. God's got you. Does anybody in here need to know that God's got you this morning? Does anybody need that confirmation that God's got you today? Maybe you've suffered loss after loss after loss. Maybe your losses look different, but they feel very real. And you've seen loss after loss. And you need to know that God looks at you like he looks at Joseph and like he looks at Marla. And he says, I've got you. I've got you this morning. I want you to bow your head today. Father, we're grateful. And there are things that happen in our life that it's tough, and we don't know exactly what to do with them. There are things and questions that we're left with, and it's difficult. But God, just like you did with Joseph, you didn't leave him through the losses. And Joseph decided that he was going to turn his losses into learning. And he was going to not just live through his losses, but he was going to learn through his losses. So Lord, what are you trying to teach us today? What do you want us to know today? What is it that you're speaking to us today? Maybe it's the fact that you've not left us. You've not stepped out on us. You've not walked out on us. Maybe people walk out on us. God, you don't walk out on us. You're a good God. And so, Lord, this morning I pray that you can just confirm that in our hearts right now. You can confirm that in our lives. That as we begin to look, we can see the evidence of your hand at work in our life. Even through the losses, we can see the evidence of mercy and grace and forgiveness and redemption. Lord, that you are working in our story, no matter how bad that story may seem. God, you're working in our story. You're working in that story to bring redemption and to bring something beautiful out of it. So, Lord, we put it in your hands today. We put our story in your hands today. God, we believe that you've got us. And we can trust you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to New Life Church in Richmond Hill, Georgia. For more information regarding New Life, please visit our website at newliferh.com.